played the 16th game of the season against St Kilda at home at Kidney Park on Saturday night, cold evening. With me here, Jake and Alt, as always. How are you guys? Good, thank you, sir. Thanks for having us again. Sir, there you go. <laughs> thank you, Squire. Very <laughs> rather, rather formal. Um, thank you very much for having me, Ro. How do we see this one play out, Jake? A 27-point <laughs> margin against St Kilda. Before this, I think our expectations were, well, all said eight goals. I upped that to 60. I think I said 25. You said 25, yeah. so you've got the chocolates this week. Are you happy with 27-point winning at St Kilda? No, but I knew it was going to be this sort of like sloppy game. I sort of just had this inkling that St Kilda were going to get their backs up and and just have a real crack, which they did. And in the subsequent days, or yesterday, we found out that Alan Richardson lost his job regardless. Um, but I knew they were because of that reason, and he was under pressure anyway. They were probably going to get their backs up and have a real crack and really push us. And in at half time when we were down by three or four points, I was like, "Wow, they're they're really in in this for the long haul." Because you know West Coast and all these good teams that we end up playing down in Geelong, they're rarely in front, let alone at half time. And if St Kilda can do it, then they they had a point to prove. And I was worried that they were going to hold on for the rest of the game. But I think in the second half, especially the last quarter. We really pulled our finger out and I think we sort of arrested our form slump a little bit based on keeping them to only two goals after halftime. I know it's just St Kilda, but we seem to go through the the process of getting back to how we played in the first half of the season a bit better. Um, So as a whole, I'll just take the win. I'm happy that if we're in a form slump, we're still getting the wins while we can. Instead of four straight losses, it's two and two. So I'm happy with that at least and um, looking forward to next week. Mm. Yeah, about you, Ali. The main points in terms of the stats columns that we lost this match were um, one percenters in favour of St Kilda, 59 to 56, albeit quite a slim margin, and tackles 85 to 76 in St Kilda's favour. In all other dimensions, contested possessions, as we pointed out, is a big barometer for Geelong. We were ahead. 27 points against the Saints wasn't really decided until midway through the final quarter. How did you see this one? Happy oh, result? It was a, well, look, you, you can't complain about, about four points and another win. And I think I may have mentioned uh, during the week that uh, it's more or less likely that they've, you know, that they're already thinking about um, the back end of the year. Um, in terms of, a f- or maybe even preparing for that already on the training track. So, um, the likelihood of, you know, of uh, longer sessions or more intense training sessions during the week will mean that they can potentially be a little bit uh, sore or flat going into the games. But um, once they get started, uh, things usually sort themselves out and the team can usually get on top or get things together and that's what happened eventually. Hmm. It was a slow process but um, you know the cream cream rose to the top and uh, Dangerfield, Duncan, Gary Ablett Jr. all had um, distinct impact throughout the game particularly guys in the last couple of minutes. He decided when the game was over, as they were saying. Mm. Um, and uh, 
stamped his authority on the match. Yeah. You raised a good point there in terms of training at the moment and potentially there's been reports of that the, t- the club has actually decreased their training loads with finals in anticipation. Given our last four weeks of footy that we've played, Jake, Port Adelaide, not a convincing performance at all. Then again, Port Adelaide are a team that one week they look World like beaters. <laughs> yeah. and next week they don't turn up to the park mm. at all. Um, a strong performance against Adelaide. Western Bulldogs were beaten by them. They did turn up in the day, a classic Western Bulldogs mm-hmm. performance. Um, and now St Kilda, a win by 27 points, not convincing over four quarters, and definitely wasn't asserted until the final fourth quarter, is the last four weeks of footy displayed by the Cats a worry, given the fantastic start of the season we had before that, and given other clubs' progression, i.e. Richmond and Brisbane, Mm. I think with how good the first half of the season was, we were probably the only club that has the luxury of being able to just sort of simmer down a little bit. And I don't necessarily think that's best practice to reduce the training load or not go 100% because that's when you end up losing games like West, uh, Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide. Mm. But in saying that, we were 11-1 and one before the bye and we obviously had the room to afford a couple of losses. Not that obviously they were trying to lose, but they just knew that they could, you know, rest some players or get specific work in done at training for specific players if they needed it. And I think they've done it well still. And we we're just talking before about, you know, happy happy to have a form slump if it means we're still getting wins. When you look at teams like GWS Giants who are in a bit of a form slump and they've lost two straight and they could lose three straight this week and, and they've had their injury issues as well and you look at teams like Richmond who've had their injury uh, concerns as well but they didn't necessarily have a form slump during when all their injured players were away but they just kept holding on and holding on I think you know the higher ups at the clubs have that specific plan in place where they know the position that they're in and they're able to afford themselves luxuries of waiting for players to come back or in our case we're on top of the ladder and two games clear so we can afford to maybe just slow down a little bit at training and afford the uh, afford the necessities that we might need towards specific players or look at certain games differently instead of going 100% and potentially risking injury or or hurting ourselves in some other way yeah I mean it's the it's the manipulation of 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 the variables at training and, and this periodization stuff so they can, they can decide when they want to go harder in sessions and when and when they might need to to um, tailor it off a bit, um, in order to time it so that uh, we hit form at the right time of the year, ideally. Mm. Um, and you know, premierships aren't won in July; they're won in September. Yeah, and I think that was probably the case when teams were announced on Thursday with Jack Henry being the second player of the season to be managed, mm. um, he did come into the game following Jake Cole-Jassy not passing concussion test. Mm. So Sav and Henry came in for this game. 
Fogarty came out. I think that's a good example too, because like they obviously didn't want to risk Colin Dashney and Henry was managed, but he's probably omitted and not good enough to be in the team. Mm. But they were able to afford that luxury of having Henry play when he probably didn't deserve to be in the team and Colin Dashney couldn't play anyway. And we'll talk about it later, but Henry was far from our best, but we still got the win. So it's still a 27-point yeah. win and you're carrying, not necessarily passengers, but there's people in there who don't necessarily deserve to be in there based on other players out with injuries or other form issues. But yeah, again, it's a luxury. Yeah. So we'll talk about the good parts, I guess, of the match first. A 27-point win at our home turf. You can't be too disappointed with four points at all. Um, if you are, then I'm not, I'm not sure what to say. We're still two games through on top <laughs> exactly. of the ladder, so we'll cop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and as Chris Scott said, I feel like a broken record here, but there will be cycles throughout yeah. the season. It's a 22-game season. Some you lose, some you win, some you go yeah. through patches and form. Yeah, you're not going to be redlining it the whole year. Yeah, I guess that the slight underwhelming factor was that this was against a below-par St Kilda team mm. or expected to be a below-par St Kilda team against a Geelong team with very limited injuries. We'll go through actually mm. the injury count a bit later on, fielding arguably their best 22 out there um, and to come away having won the match in the second half of the fourth quarter. A win's a win, four points, four points. 27 points adds mm. to the solid margin that we're on. Mm. Um, but hopefully, towards finals, we can just execute that a bit more solidly over a few more quarters. Mm. Having said that, some individual performances that really stood out came to mind. Yeah, um, Daddy Dangerfield, for me. <laughs> Dangerfield. 20, 23 contested possessions, nine tackles, seven clearances was a pretty dominant game. He looks back in pretty much 100% fitness after his hip knock against Adelaide and his knee or or foot issue he missed a game with a couple of games earlier. Um, Yeah, obviously, he's he's back to his full fitness and he's probably pushing for Brownlow contention now with Tim Kelly sort of wavering a little bit and, you know, a couple of other Brownlow contenders going down in recent weeks, such as Patrick Cripps missing two, which can only be good for Kelly and Dangerfield. It's sort of... And Canelio as well. Yeah, Canelio's out for pretty much the rest of the year and probably finals as well. He probably won't come back. Yeah, Dangerfield was fantastic. Um, Pretty sure I picked Mitch Duncan for Cloud of Cat of the Week last last week too. He didn't get the the eight marks. He only got six, um, like I said he would, but he did still kick a goal and had 33 touches. Close to the Tatslow. Yeah, (laughs) those two players were named in the AFL Media Team of the Week and Channel 7's team of the week as well so they obviously did pretty well yeah yeah for you all is that slightly the same any other contributors that you thought Gary there you go there you go one word one word I mean every every, anytime he goes near the ball you just get excited it's just yeah the fans love him we've always loved him he's he's the favourite son he's you know he's he's the chosen one in in many ways (laughs) Um, and oh yeah just he can even on one leg he's uh, able to just make defenders look foolish and make you know his opponents nervous yeah um, and 
yeah, just uh, I reckon two uh, two goals in literally probably what like a minute, a, like of, a minute of, of game yeah. time, mm-hmm. which is just phenomenal. Yeah, and, so, um, and had two goal assists as well. So if you add those four together, it's pretty much the margin of the game, which is which is fantastic. He's he's done that all year. Yeah, though as well, which is he's been really consistent, and he's still one of one of two players who's averaging twenty touches and two goals again. Yeah, his 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 impact or output in the team, you know, nine times out of ten is elite. Mm. Um, and you know that that snap on the boundary line is uh, it was just you know. Golden. Phenomenal. It's what, but it's all. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. they were saying the commentary. Like it's shelling peas for up mm. those, those sorts of shots nowadays. How many times has he done it? Mm. But it's like, you know, there's an element of it being genetic in a sense. Because you know? <laughs> his dad was yeah. doing that, you know, and and yeah. and Nathan had the ability to do yeah. it too. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just phenomenal to have a player of that quality still mm. at the club. Yeah, exactly. Speculation will go further on down the season, whether he continues it next year. Uh, with his contract running out. Do you think he could? Like, do you think he's in good enough form to. I think it's contingent on how we finish this season off. If we finish off with a premiership, I reckon it'll be the same light that Lingy and Boris went out, that he'll hang up his boots. If we don't. Then he may give it another crack, another year. Mm. If we win the premiership, I could see three, two or three players finishing up. Yeah, then Harry there, Taylor, Harry yeah, Taylor, yeah. and someone else. Harry, Harry, <laughs> well, Harry, Harry yeah. Taylor, Harry Taylor, Gaz, and maybe Kelly. Yeah. Well, speaking of of Hawkins, we we went to the Cats member function, and mm-hmm. like at that time, Hawkins was is pretty much playing in his prime, especially in the first half of the year. But from what Mooney, who was emceeing that event, asked him, Hawkins seemed like he maybe had one more year in him. So obviously the toll of maybe that back injury he had for a couple of years or just generally being like a bigger player and as a forward getting knocked around every week has taken its toll on him. Mm. And yeah, like he said, he might only have one year. I think he is contracted for next year anyway. But if, if they win a premiership, like who knows? Like he could just next year and, and let Basaba take the number one forward role and just sort of be there as like a, a helping hand specifically for him um, but again that's not locked in yet that we, yeah, exactly. that we've won just play, just play like the Alistair Lynch role yeah just don't leave the goal square Tom no, just yeah. stay there yeah be a big body <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. yeah yeah keep on but um, yeah it's, it's actually a good point and having followed just talking about mm. some of the good performances raised by some of the players mm. Tom didn't have his greatest game in the weekend. No. One goal, which was relatively <laughs> fluky. Not very influential. The other big man, up forward, Savs, yes. had a very good game in the weekend. Coming back into the team. There's Lack this... of forward entry, or... It, this is recent weeks against Western Bulldogs. Mm. I know Jack Henry's been swung up there. Yeah. On the weekend, we saw Harry Taylor being swung up there again, which we've seen last season... Problematic. We can talk and talk on that regard. Mm. Um, shades of Western Bulldogs memories <laughs> there. But the whole first half of the season was directed for the Cats around the Aki 
accuracy going mm. inside 50 and their efficiency going yeah. inside 50. Yeah. Last three, four weeks, what's changed? Well, you mentioned Sav and, and it's weird that there was this big buzz about like Sav coming back in because it just seemed like he was you know guaranteed to kick like four goals and start taking screamers. But this, the first, and, and Sav's probably a good example of how the game style sort of changed from the first half of the year to the second. He was doing his job in that team and like it seemed like all the players in our team were doing their role really well. But after the bye, um, especially that Richmond game, um, Sav's outputs changed as the team sort of output changed and he's become more of a dominant like marking full forward kicking goals he kicked one goal in his first nine games and I think he's kicked six in his last three games so obviously there's a, a bit of a change and in the St Kilda game it almost made Sav almost made Hawkins irrelevant that's how it felt at stages because mm-hmm. like I've, you almost forgot that Hawkins was playing at parts of the game because Sav just seemed to be the dominant like marking full forward and that Hawkins, that goal that Hawkins got, like you said, was just like a lucky kick that fell on in his chest in the goal square. And he was like, oh, oops, I've accidentally just marked the ball. Um, yeah, but as a whole, I think Sav's a really important. We've talked about it before. That second ruck slash forward position in our team is really important. I think Sav is the key for us going really deep into finals and, and winning most games when he's able to mark and be aerially dominant like he was that's a it's very important for us yeah because I mean Gary Rowan provides a good contest in the air as well but there's things that Sav does or think you know just bringing the ball down yeah one up one down and the mosquito fleet whether it be yeah Dalhouse Rowan Atkins whoever the crumb yeah yeah like we don't want Rowan having to fly for the ball all the time because he's dangerous on yeah. the, at ground level. So mm. you'd like him to be buzzing around the pack and providing that forward pressure. Mm. So the last two weeks, last three weeks, sorry, Sav has been introduced back following Saints match. Has that shown you all that our system has to be Hawkins full forward, a ruck rotator, whether it be Sav, buzzer, or Smith. Smith or Ford, you reckon? Ford, yeah. Ford. Yeah, I, re- I reckon that more mobile. Yeah. More mobile ruck is so the way to, way to go. The full forward and a half forward ruck rotator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sav, Buzzer, Ford. Mm-hmm. As opposed to swinging Jack Henry Ford or swinging Harry Taylor Ford. Is this lesson learned that we can't do this, that we have to have this now for the rest of the season ongoing finals I think it's yeah I think it's the it's the it's the best way that we can that our model works at the moment if that makes sense yeah like so um, you know Sav Sav is a very important player structurally for us he may not dominate games all the time and people may think he doesn't do much but he actually does and he is, a, you know, a highly important player and, and largely competent player. Um, but I'm I'm a little bit uh, baffled as to why perhaps someone like a buzzer wasn't used in previous weeks to play a similar role um, when Sav was, uh, you know, not in the team. Um 
just get just get buzzed mm. to, to just compete, just yeah. play the same sort of role. Yeah. Do everything you can. Basically, be another Sav in the games where Sav is out. Yeah. Because that sort of a player or that sort of a system works for us better than those swing swing backmen to forward. I players. hated seeing Blitzarves in the ruck as well. It was good for that one game, and it might be good yeah. if we're getting slaughtered in a final and, and nothing's working in the ruck. But yeah, when they started Blitz in the middle in the Bulldogs game, and we and we yeah. talked about this um, in the last potty, but yeah, like it was just it was weird seeing them all out of position and it just sort of reeked of arrogance, that game especially, and it sort of destined us to lose. But not having that second ruck forward in is, is a mistake and putting Blitzavs in the middle, who wasn't even playing in the ruck, he was playing yeah. like as a midfielder, um, is just silly when you've got players like Aaron Norton who had like seven contested marks and four goals against us in the Bulldogs game. And we've got the, the cattle there, but you just need to... I think that the lessons learned now is just to calm down and have that yeah. second ruck in yeah. and chill we've, out. We've, we've, like we've got the cattle to, to do it this year. Yeah. yeah. We actually have the cattle to probably to potentially do it this year. It's just whether we do or not. Yeah. I guess there's no argument. Okay, you put your best 22 on the team. Yeah. And, okay, fit Jack Henry if he's in best 22, wherever that may be, to yeah. start up forward, to go down back. At the same time, at round 13, and I understand you are four points on top of the ladder or eight mm. points on top of the ladder, and you do have those options to experiment, but when you've been adopting the style system that we have for a good solid 13 rounds... Why experiment and change with it for a good three rounds, throwing a key fullback into the ruck mm. and doing clearance work on top of that in the middle, not having a half forward slash ruck rotator mm. to swing fullbacks in Harry Taylor or Jack Henry in inset marker up forward. It, it's just very strange. So with six rounds to go and on paper... I know we've got Hawthorne Wild coming, which we'll yeah. talk about. Yeah. On paper, some matches that we should win. Mm. It's It just seems a bit strange why we have changed the system. So yeah. it's going Suddenly forward. decided to yeah. make well, Part of the reason of the Blitzar switch originally was because Stanley was getting slaughtered by O'Brien mm. in the Adelaide game. And, and there are some questions over Reece Stanley in his last couple of weeks who was decent in that Adelaide game when he went forward and kicked a couple of goals. But he broke even with Tim English, who's a third-year ruckman that looks like a broomstick. Yeah. And Rowan Marshall, player, Rowan Marshall absolutely yeah. dominated Stanley and somehow didn't get coaches' votes. But in the first half of that game, it was pretty much the same thing as the O'Brien game. Mm. He just, yeah, just dominated around the ground and in the ruck. And, and that's Stanley's forte's. He's moving around the ground and, and helping out around there. He wasn't bad, but he just wasn't doing well enough in the ruck and he wasn't he was only breaking even around the ground. So yeah. there's some questions there. And that and that's why they moved him forward against Adelaide and that's why Blitz had to come in and that sort of came from came from there. But you'd hope that him, Stanley and Hawkins and Gary Rowan come out of their form slumps because they were big reasons as to why we were so successful in the first half of the year. Yeah, I think if for me, Reece Stanley, I named him as my uh, cloud cat of the week for the match against St. Mm. Kilda. Yeah. 
I was hopeful that he'd break even I yeah, and, and I didn't think kick I didn't, a goal or two and gain 15, 20 disposals. Yeah. I, I stated. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think he was, didn't I didn't think he was horrible. But no, no. I, um, yeah. But Marshall was really good. The, the last month of footy, the, the ruck opponents he's come up against, it's not like he's been playing against Gorn or Grundy like he did start of the season or Mumford or Natanui. Tim English... Rowan Marshall, I know Rowan Marshall has cut out of the blue really in a year. sense, but he's had a fantastic year. Yeah. At the same time, Stanley's been around the industry a lot more yeah. years than Rowan Marshall. I think that's so the thing. We, we've we've mentioned it before that Stanley thrives against those bigger, slower Ruckman, whereas mm-hmm. O'Brien, English, and Marshall are sort of like hybrid. Like O'Brien's probably the Biggest, the new age maybe because O'Brien's yeah. just really awkward, like kicking style and running style. But yeah. he's definitely not slow. Yeah. Like once he gets go, he can definitely move around the ground and, and provide an option. But mm. I think who we got next week, Hawthorne. McAvoy is yeah. probably a good example of a ruckman who's a more traditional, like bigger, slower. He still does, you know, he goes forward and kicks goals. And I don't think he has enough around the ground, like marking presence, except for the forward line. So that's maybe where Stanley can look to exploit that yeah. um, his own athleticism there. Who's yeah. the other option for um, Hawthorne at the moment? It's Segler. I think Segler's but, around too, which is in the same boat, but he hasn't played. He's only played like two games, I think, this year. So yeah, yeah I doubt Segler will play upcoming this weekend. Mm. Is he didn't it? Yeah, I think he, I think he didn't ACL, didn't he? Well, maybe. I'm just not aware of. Or maybe was that or was that Segler yeah. and Segler's come back from an ACL? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to kind of. Just avoid Hawthorne news when we're a Cats fan. Yeah, yeah don't even look at it. <laughs> we'll move on to previewing Hawks upcoming. Yeah. This Sunday, a bit later. In the meantime, some VFL news. The VFL boys played in the weekend. Mm. Beat Sandringham Dragons. Not hugely convincingly. Got the win. Yeah. Aaron Black, best on ground. Not AFL listed, as we know. But mm. a really important leader in that team. Four goals to Aaron Black. Mm. Some other good contributors in there as well nice seeing Nathan Kruger on the best again playing down back for the majority of this week mm. uh, others in there as well come to mind I think Sam Simpson had a good game has been really good the last few weeks and, yeah. and James Parsons is Parsons I keep seeing um, ideal, yeah. I keep seeing like Cats media articles talking about Parsons and feel like they're just like, like warming us up like slowly like for him to come into the team drip feeding almost, yeah, yeah. yeah like they're it's like subconsciously like making us feel like it's all right for him to come in because obviously he's a reasonably maligned player for some performances last year back when we had like the bottom six players every week and he was pretty much in there every week apart from a couple of games but he's had a really fantastic uh, VFL season and his two games he played in the senior team was pretty good actually especially the Gold Coast one with two goals and seven really clearances, good, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, the, the, the two best games I've seen James yeah. Parsons play, and he's played over 30 games for yeah. the Cats. Except for when he knocked Hodge out, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but I feel like they, they're obviously, the VFL team, I think they've been performing okay, but it's more so about the personnel that's in that team that could eventually come into the senior team. Yeah. We were just saying before that Scott Selwood seemed to like cop a, a rib knock Mm. and didn't complete the game fully, which is a bit of a concern. I, I would have actually really liked to have seen him in the senior team and thought that he would have come in after like nine or ten games in the VFL, um, but that obviously didn't eventuate. Um, Fogarty had 25 touches and three tackles, I think, as well. So there's definitely mm. 
definitely options there. Um, if if there are, you know, worst case scenario, Dangerfield doesn't knee and Hawkins back breaks again. You bring, you know, Buzzer or Zach Smith into the team and, you know, Scott Selwood or Constable, who we didn't mention as well, had 28 touches, comes in for Dangerfield. Mm. You're not going to replace Dangerfield or Hawkins, but we know that all these players can come in and do their job. Yeah. And hopefully it's just for one game or, you know, for the last game of our season yeah. and, and does their job and, and helps us to a win or does their best to help us get to a win. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I listened in the best for that was Aaron Black with four goals. Oscar Brownless, he had 18 touches, mm-hmm. 17 touches and a goal yeah. by memory. Yeah. Darcy Fort, Jermaine Jones, James Parsons, who's been highlighted for weeks now. Really, really good performances in the VFL. Mm-hmm. I think Shane O'Brien actually came out a few weeks ago with a statement to the effect of he's too good for VFL, yeah. as you were suggesting, Dave. Yeah, I think something like along those lines that he's yeah. performing beyond expectation in the VFL. Yeah. Which, yeah, but the, the senior list is just that chock-a-block full of those young kids, Clark and Myers and Atkins, that have come pretty much from nowhere. Yeah, and and filled in the those last couple of spots in the senior list. Zach Smith, Stefan Combor, Jacob Kennelly, and Lockie Henderson make the best list as well. Stefan Combor, yeah, eighteen touches this yeah. week. Our our so, man from the the Cats member function as well. Yeah, so Did, didn't want an interview, but he was happy <laughs> to be uh, spoken to by the Canadian Clouder. Yeah, he had um his it seems like he's built really well in his first like four or five games in the VFL and eighteen touches for. A small size defender slash winger, and we like we know how we saw how big he was and like how strong he was as like an 18, 19 year old. Yeah, um, I was just saying before he could be like the next Mark O'Connor next year, and, and we hope yeah, he like does. If he, breakout yeah, for us. which would be fantastic. I'd love to see him come in and terrorize people with those big biceps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he could play anywhere, yeah, he you, could. You don't know. Like, he... <laughs> Probably know he could be through the center, down mm. back. I'd, I'd like to, or I'd like to watch, I'd like to watch him a bit more, and hopefully he plays some like JLT or something this year, or I, or I get to watch some VFL games. Mm. Um, I'd like to see like what his disposal and decision making is like, because obviously coming from a different sport, you don't know. Like he could just have eighteen disposals at zero percent efficiency, mm. but yeah. eight, the fact that he's getting eighteen touches is a fantastic result, and he's obviously running to the right spots and. Knows where to go, unless yeah. they were just like drip feeding him the ball in the back line. But I, I doubt that. I think, yeah. I think he's athletic, so yeah, he'd be getting absolutely. around the Yeah, well, that we had that correspondence with the the Gaelic people from Ireland, and they were saying like it was a massive loss. Like he was meant to be like one of the exactly, really yeah, good was, Gaelic players. It's great to talk to some uh, some Kerry mm. people over there uh, and some Nigel commentators um, to actually get their views regarding Mark O'Connor and how big a loss he, he has been and for them he was seen as the biggest loss mm. for Kerry um, which was quite outstanding before mm. this season given the season that he's had currently fair to say the Shark as he's shown that yeah. <laughs> and every single game he, he seems to get a little bit better in mm. one dimension or another that Look at the, the VFL players that we have in stocks now. All right. Zach Smith, Darcy Ford, Wally Buzzer, Ruckman or Ruck Rotators, half forwards, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan Kruger, he won't play this season. That would be very big stretch to say that he'd be introduced at this stage of finals. Mm-hmm. But he's putting out some good displays. 
Lockie Henderson's played four games in a row now, VFL. Unfortunately, Scott Selwood suffered an injury, but he did have eight, nine weeks in the VFL following that. Uh, oh, sorry, prior to that. Mm. Now, Sam Smith. Sam Simpson. Quinton Lockwood. Sam, <laughs> Sam. He's a great singer, Sam Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Simpson, Quinton Lockwood, James Parsons. There's just a huge list of players that have played AFL last year, um, ready to come in at some point. Charlie Constable as well. I know there'll be names here that I'm actually forgetting to name. Constable's just like fallen off the face of the earth, but he's still just been ploughing away in the VFL and getting the best yeah. most weeks. He, he's he's going to be a long-term, mm. you know, um, hopefully a 200-game player for us. Mm. One of the Cloud's favourites, JJ, Jermaine Jones as well, who put in some good shifts last campaign in mm. 2018. So we have all these players fit, ready in the VFL, mm. waiting. The only injuries that we have at the moment... Okay, Nikki Cockatoo, we have talked about this in depth. He's back fully training, may play a VFL game in two Next or three weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, along with Jordan Kuniko, who's probably out for the next two or three weeks as well. An ankle injury. I miss Kuniko, yeah. by the way. Had a bit of buzz, yeah, yeah around about his Yeah. I was happy with some of his input mm. last year and was hopeful that he could, you know, have, have further impact this year, but it hasn't been the case. Mm. Yeah. So, aside from those two, J. Cole Jasney, you'd think, would come back from injury. <laughs> He had surgery to remove Jordan Clark's kneecap from the side of his face. <laughs> but he should be fine for he the next game. Yeah, it was just concussion. But they, they, like we said, he, he probably could have played, but they didn't want to risk it, obviously. Yeah. Scott Seld, not sure where he's at with his rib injury. Maybe it was a bit of risk management. Maybe it wasn't. Could be mm. back in the VFL next week or the week after. Sam Manangola. Could be playing, whether it be VFL this week, mm. or whether they just slot it back into an AFL team the week after at some point. He'll be back in the next week or two at VFL or AFL level. Mm. Gary Ablett, the only one coming out of the Saints match that will really need to be tested up for the Hawthorne match. If it was an interstate game, he'd probably be in, in big doubt. But uh, I think it was maybe probably just like a cork or a knock from what he told Lingy in the post-game interview. He just probably had to ice it up and he'd be fine from there. Yeah. And I'm sure he'd love to kick a bag against Hawthorne again, as he's probably used to by now. Mm. So it'll be good to have him back, which is probably a good segue into the into the Hawthorne game, which which comes up on the Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And if yeah. there's one person you'd want playing for Geelong, it probably would be Gary Ablett. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw in the Easter Monday game, him and Gary Rowan kicked four goals each and worked really well together. That was back when we were really flying and we probably didn't realise how well we were going back then. But every game sort of seemed like, oh, this is the week where we'll, we'll come down. But we, you know, we're winning by 40 or 50 points and yeah. scoring really highly and doing really well. So hopefully we can get back to that, that sort of form. Mm. And uh, yeah, Hawthorne are sort of... Sort of trudging around like the 
trying to get into the bottom eight, so it should should be a win and hopefully by at least thirty. Yeah, coming up for win against Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, points. That's a, it's a good point. Like it was only last well, yeah, really like last week, like nine days ago, that Hawthorne beat Collingwood and then the next week Collingwood beat West Coast in Perth. So mm. it's a bit of like a merry 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 go round with uh, what teams are doing and. I suppose, like, late in the season, Collingwood's had a few injuries and there's teams like Hawthorne, the Bulldogs, North, Carlton, Sydney that are got a point to prove and, yeah, going to surprise a few teams on the on the way back. Yeah. The one strange one we saw against the Cats and this whole season for Hawthorne has been Ricky Henderson's performances and how mm. solid they've been. Ricky. Did not expect that before the season at all. No. James Warple... We know what he can do. We mm. know what he will do. Um, Stratton will be back. Uh, yes. Expect Mitchell Lewis to also be yeah. considered important so, for the game. Mm. Don't he's, see Ruffy playing. He'll be just playing VFL no, action. Yeah, Lewis has, been, Lewis has been really solid, solid for them the last yeah. few weeks. So I wouldn't have expected Ruffy back, unfortunately, for, for him. Uh, but Lewis has been, yeah, like clunking three or four contested marks a game and kicking a couple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be hopeful, however, that... Um, or, I, to a, to an extent, I expect that Hawthorne, in in their lack of a, you know, tall forward or a really, experienced, really yeah. dangerous, deadly, experienced tall forward... Blitz on Lewis... Um, Job done. It should be. Thumbs up. It ought ought to be the case. This is an ought to be, but Aaron Norton was an ought to be case for me. (laughs) Jen up with four goals too. Yeah, but Bertels wasn't playing on him (laughs) because they moved him away. But we do have the likes of Harry Taylor down there and Blitz. There shouldn't be a problem for me regarding him specifically. It's their former... I don't know if you call him the Scooter Fleet of the Hawks. Uh, Luke Bruce, Isaac Smith, Chad Wingard, to add to that, these, yeah, Poppy. These players, the excitement flair players that just can endanger the game at times and at strange times. Yeah, well, Wingard came back for them last week and seemed to give them a bit of spark through the midfield and up forward and and I think kicked a goal early in the game. And um, he's definitely. Yeah, I, I don't want to lose to any team that's got Chad Wingard in it, especially Hawthorne. But, um, yeah, they just seem to have, plat- not plateaued, but they've balanced themselves out a bit because they were free-falling for a couple of weeks and looked in real danger of, yeah, like falling towards the bottom of the ladder. But they've, they've sort of changed a few things up and they were playing Sicily forward for a couple of weeks, which just made no sense because he's like an all-Australian defender. Yeah, and now they've ruining realized, my super yeah, ruining yeah. everyone's super coaches. <laughs> and now that they've realised that he obviously needs to stay back, they've had more success. And Grant Birchall came back for them last week after two years out of the game, and mm. he's a really experienced defender and wise head as well. So, yeah, might not be, and well, it should be an order B, but it might be a should be. You never know against Hawthorne. I, it, yeah, even if they're bottom ladder, we're top of the ladder, or vice versa. It's always a fifty-fifty game for me. Oh, last time we played Hawthorne earlier in the season, first half we dominated. It was complete inside 50 after inside 50 rebound. 
We didn't put it on the scoreboard, which led until to some until third quarter displays to and fro, and fourth quarter it was well and truly then decided. At the time, Sean Burgoyne didn't play for them. Um, Tom Scully didn't play for them. They've now got those players back. Diego O'Meara, Tom Scully, James Warple in the midfield, along with now what we know Ricky Henderson can do. Yeah. Um, a new look forward line that has looked to be settled up forward. Mm-hmm. Mitch Lewis being the vital one. Um, Ollie Hanrahan as well. And then those players we've identified, Bruce, Poppy, um, Wingard, to move between mid-forward. And Ben Stratton being the the, the leader down back. <laughs> the pincher down back. The pincher down back. Uh, Connor Nash has been pretty good off the halfback line as yeah. well for them. Yeah. Uh, as of recent weeks. And yeah. they yeah, they definitely have some, some weapons still. So mm. they can still jump some teams as Collingwood found out. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, on paper we beat them. And based on how well we've played this year, it's... Pretty foregone conclusion. Given those added bonus bonuses for the Hawks that didn't play against us earlier in the season, Tom Scully, Sean Bergwijn, mm. others as well, such mm-hmm. as Mitch Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, Ollie Hanrahan. Mm-hmm. More concerned. Um, well, I just think we'll have to play it on its merits. You know, treat it like. That's a long Hawthorne game. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, they're always high intensity pressure cooker games. Mm. Um, I don't think the gap between us uh, is as big as it was, you know, as like at the mid, midpoint of the year, we were clearly mm. better than anybody. Yeah, I think. Um, a bit. We've we've dipped a little bit, and and they're they're at least a little bit more respectable, mm. um, or playing more respectable football. Um, so, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think we're necessarily going to come out and smash them. Obviously, I'd like that to happen. Mm. I think any Geelong fan a, a big win against Hawthorne is the ideal. Um, <laughs> But uh, I still expect us to a classic type. Yeah, I still I still expect yeah. us to win. I still expect yeah. us to win. I, I but I do expect it to be just a typical Geelong Hawthorne game. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same. Yeah, given the inclusions that we haven't seen this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a, a tighter margin. Uh, hopefully, Cats win. <laughs> End of the day, we are eight points ahead. Other midweek news was Gil McLaughlin regarding... Gil. Let's talk Gil. Let's talk Gil. Gil. <laughs> I don't know why Let's this is... Gil. I don't know why this is a thing. I don't know why... Like, the rules are the rules. Like, if we qualify... If we finish first, we should get a friggin' home final. It shouldn't <laughs> be like... Uh, yeah, but we'll try and get as many people. No, we've finished on top of the ladder, so we deserve to have the ground where we choose at home. I don't care if yeah. 30,000 Geelong fans can't go. Yeah, It's not about... Obviously, it's about the fans, go. but the fans want the team to win. So if the team plays better at the home 
ground. If 60,000 people have to miss out because we're playing Richmond, so be it. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I tend to agree in, in, in most senses. But then there's the other argument of, you know, you want to, like, the, the big ones played at the G, so if you're going to... We won't get to the big one if we play a first final against Richmond. It's so yeah. frustrating. Because, yeah. like, it's that mindset of, like, you know, like, they're unsettled. Like, they're yeah. going to be settled if they play, like, the first final at the home ground. If they're playing yeah. the first final at the G or at Etihad, which we've we've played one game at this year, yeah, it's just, it's so bad, poor. Like, from a professional league of this standard that they can just be like, oh, like, Gil was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's unfair if, you know, 40,000 people can't go. So we try and make it fair for, you know, the Geelong fans and the other fans. No, it's not about the other fans. If Geelong yeah. have yeah. a home it's about, final... It's about the reward for, for finishing top yeah. or the reward for finishing in the top two. You get your team and therefore, you know, you get a larger percentage of your fans in the crowd. Yeah. So the word was unfair, yeah. Gilm Glocken said he didn't think it was unfair... For Geelong to play finals at the MCG, and that would you'd read into that week one finals. We're not playing irrelevant of us playing irrelevant of us finishing first ladder. Yeah, that's pretty much said and done. Okay, we're not playing at King Park. For me, there's two two separate issues. One is the AFL's uh, agenda ring lockout, mm. Lock, locking out people. Mm. Okay. Interstate teams, if this was played Port Adelaide or if West Coast finished first, would that be played at the MCG? Given the no, size I, of the stadium? No, of course it would be played. No. Yeah, what, what if... What if played if, at Optus Stadium. What, what, if, what if GWS finished? Well, they, had, they got a final last year at, they, at their home. They, yeah. Against um, Bulldogs in 2016. Yeah, the prelim. Yeah. yeah. Not at the SCG. Yeah. Where it fits like 20,000 extra people. Yeah. Yeah. So Geelong, and to reiterate this point, Geelong want eleven home games mm. at Kidinia Park, not to play some games at Marvel <laughs> home, yeah, or some games at the MCG home, yeah, which we've had to accommodate. The AFL have extended that mm. to eight to nine, mm. which we thankfully take with a grain of salt, <laughs> I guess. And we'd be happy to do that if they. Pulled the trigger on. Yes, all right. You can do your, you can have your nine and then two at Eddie had. But if we do that, then we have to get home finals if we finish first. Yeah, I would cop that. So from Geelong fans, there's two separate arguments. There's one that says, okay, we go to the MCG, we play against a another Melbourne team, Victorian team, or an interstate team, mm. and if on the chance we get play. Collingwood mm. or Richmond, our fans simply won't be heard. Yeah. I.e. what happened with Richmond several years ago yeah. when we played them. Yeah. And it, how is that a home game yeah. when you it's, can't it's actually <laughs> hear your home fans? Yeah. There's no home ground Because there's 70,000 Richmond fans at the Geelong home game. Exactly. 30,000 Geelong. Exactly. Um, so I don't know if ticketing allocation needs I to think, be looked I think, at this. I think ticketing allocation yeah. is actually the way to do it. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So so the 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 team you could play That's it at the, the you could play it at the MCG, right? Mm. You could get for greater crowds and revenue and all that. You could play it at the MCG, but 
you allocate more tickets to Geelong fans. Yeah, and I'll, I don't mind playing at the MCG if it's the second or third week. But if we finish first, first week of finals when there's yeah. more games, yeah. should be... When there's four games. I can understand if there's only two games on a weekend. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. Because there's like... For people that actually want to go to yeah. the footy, that's more... But first week... Like... I understand that, yeah. <laughs> and, and the other thing is, which I've just forgotten now, but I had another point. I can't remember it. That's right. I interrupted you. That's okay. <laughs> the other point is, for me, that Geelong fans see MCG as... Well, the final's going to be played yeah, there. Yeah, If a final's going to be played there, we should play there anyway. Yeah. And we should win matches there we, anyway. We should, it yes. It shouldn't be a bogey match. We shouldn't have to play matches at Kenya Park. Yeah. My response to that would be, well, the final at the MCG, to me, it's seen universally as a sense of FA Cup being played at Wembley mm. when there's no home grounds. It's a, new, it's, a, Wembley, yeah, it's, it's a neutral venue. It should yeah. be fairly neutral. I know Richmond play there. I know that Collingwood play there, but it is the heartbeat yeah. of and the long-standing heartbeat so far of AFL mm. for to host the, the grand final. Now, prelims and semi-finals aside are a different story, mm. and. What is the advantage of finishing first on the ladder? There's no advantage. If a team, and I think Richmond, there's a big possibility that they'll finish fourth and they'll make top four. Yeah, well, it's easy when you have your last seven games at the MCG. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, looking at playing Richmond, then at round one finals, our home ground at the MCG. Now, okay, do you get over this? No. Go to win at the MCG. That's where the final's being held. Yeah. Or should a home team who has finished home, who has finished first in the ladder, actually be able to gain home ground advantage by hearing their own fans? Mm. It's for me. It's just a no-brainer. It's simply yeah. That obviously money talks industry. Um, the, <laughs> more people fit in there. But that, that's what yeah. it's been the last few years anyway. It hasn't been focused on the fans or fan enjoyment. It's just been about yeah. ad, ads, commercial stuff, yeah. making... There's more build-up for the spectacle of the game than the actual game itself. Um, and what I was going to say before is the only way I can see us having... the big stage yeah. is, is the MCG. Yeah, and, and like the, the grand final builds itself up enough and you don't need mm. advertising or anything for that. Mm. But the, the other games, like all the, the build-up and, like, you want to get the fans there and such and such, just just have the game. People will come for finals regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, the only way I can see Geelong playing at home in the first week of finals is if Brisbane finish fourth mm-hmm. and we finish first. I think that's the only way that the AFL would let us host a, a home-home final. But even then, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved it to Etihad. I just think it's crazy. And you look at other codes... Yeah. The A-League, for example. Melbourne Victory have come down here and played a few home games in the last few seasons. They've done that regularly. Western United are about to be involved in the A-League and they'll do the exact same thing, mm. coming down to Geelong playing games. Uh, you look at 2020 cricket. Same thing there with mm. some of the Melbourne clubs, the Renegades that come play down at Kenya Park mm-hmm. to establish 
a Geelong involvement, Geelong yeah. um, support. Connection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And for a team that is solely regionally based, solely Geelong based, to not have any home finals in Geelong, it just it it's... staggers me when every <laughs> other team plays at every other Victorian team plays at Marvel or MCG. It it's just <laughs> too frustrating right now. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're looking at me, Jake, and I'm kind of <laughs> lost for words because it, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things. So we can only just like hope come finals, but um. Yeah. 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 Well, and we, we can only hope. Ultimately, like, yeah, hope, hope is is I guess the only thing. But 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 when it but like, there's also the the element of you know. Approaching the challenge with courage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's enough about the midweek news. If we're, if we're good enough, we'll win anyway. Yes, that's what it comes down to. And we, we just have to back. If we beat Richmond at the G in, in week one of finals, then yeah, good. If not, then we're probably not good enough. Yeah. Next season. <laughs> home matches at KP. Yeah, has to yeah. be. <laughs> Upcoming, we've got some... Looking forward to hear to Lockie Henderson, Wiley Buzzer, mm. some of the Geelong Cats players that we've been in contact with, finding us with some correspondence. Some Who's hints. their favourite players? So we'll, we'll find out. Bit of <laughs> Q&A action for the fans. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Interview with Quentin Narkel Yes. members function. Coming up. Um, coming up. So we do have some interaction with the direct players that... We will be putting up on our pages, so look out for that on Northern Startwoods this Sunday against Hawthorne. Yes. Predictions and margins here, boys. My upcoming cloud of cat of the week. I think I'm going to go with Cam Guthrie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Cam Guthrie. Seems to play me. well against Hawthorne. <laughs> yeah. Been playing really well since he came into the team. Yeah. Hawthorne, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll pull a tag roll on anyone. Scotty maybe Wobble. maybe Daniel Howe. Daniel Howe, yeah. Might, I don't think he'd yeah. be enough for Dangerfield though, so probably Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time, Cam Guthrie being the bully is, I want him in the middle. Mm. I want him being exposed to centre clearances, clearances, because that's where he's really showing his worth for me this season. Not on the wing, not down at half-back, right in the guts. So... Yeah, Cam to be involved right there. Around 25 disposals and one goal and one goal assist. Wow, very specific. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a <laughs> margin. Margin, I'm going to go uh, purely because it's Cats, Hawks. I'll go 12 points. Okay, yeah, cool. Well, uh, my clatter cat of the week. Um, I mean... Who else can it really be? Um, but uh, one of the Holy Trinity, or, or the well, yeah, well, the Holy Trinity of, uh, of of last season, as we were saying. Um, the Irish, Mark O'Connor, Stefan Combor, and uh, <laughs> Zach Tui. <laughs> yeah, that's the new one. Um, I would say uh, Patrick Dangerfield. He will have a genuine impact on this game just as he has had genuine impact in his first game for Geelong 
and in the 2017 corresponding fixture, when he kicked five goals, on six one leg. from full forward on one leg. Um, yeah, good game. <laughs> so, yeah, that was an exciting match. Um, hopefully, he has similar impact, and it leads to a Geelong win. Um, Margin-wise, I will also echo Ronan's uh, sentiments um, and go with a 16-point victory to the Cats. I'm going to back my big daddy, Tom Hawkins, to uh, bounce back with at least four goals and about seven or eight marks. Um, And I reckon the Cats are out of their form slump. And they'll win by 48 points. <laughs> and they'll set up for a, a big, last, really solid like two months of the season because there's been some questions raised and I think they just were working some kinks out against the Saints. So All right. they'll be back with a bang. Onwards and upwards. Let's keep up the eight-point lead. Yes. That could be keep up the buffer. extended uh, against Hawks on Sunday. Let's do this, guys. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.